Hey you, you're listening to Sloancast, the one-stop shop deep dive where we discuss anything and everything about the greatest band of all time, Andrew Scott, Jay Ferguson, Chris Murphy, and Patrick Pentland, collectively known as Sloan. We are your fellow superfan hosts. I'm Rob. This is Ken. Ken, what's good, man? I'm happy to be back from our little summer break. Yeah. It's been way too long. It's really it has, been way man. too long. <laughs> it's good. You've grown so much. I know it's I feel like you know it's coming back from the summer after the ninth grade I just sprouted <laughs> about five inches you know yeah I, I bought some new pants and I was riding them down the street on my bike the other day and they got caught in the spokes and they ripped so you know I'm I'm, not, <laughs> I'm, I'm embarrassingly here with my ripped pants they're kind of mended a little bit but you know it happens well at least you still have your tan exactly yeah farmer's tan thank you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, it's an anniversary year this year. Um, We've been talking about this on multiple occasions. It's the 30th anniversary of the greatest band of all time. Mm. And it's not just the 30th anniversary of of the band having uh, founded itself. It is also the 20th anniversary of arguably one of the best albums of all time. 2001's Pretty Together. To quote Chris Michael Murphy, it's their Born on a Pirate Ship you know, there's some hits in there, um, but it's 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 also a controversial album, and we've talked about this already on part one of our Pretty Together analysis on Sloancast. So if you haven't listened to that episode, then do yourselves a favor and do that after having listened to this particular episode. But today we do want to dive into uh, a tried and tested format that we tried out before. We want to follow this up today with a watch along with you guys of the live at much that took place on October 30th of 2001. Harkening back to just about 20 years ago now, what were you doing, Rob, on this illustrious day? Yeah, I was. Uh, I probably worked that day. I don't remember what day of the week it was. If it was like a Friday, I I feel like it was later in the in the week, like a Friday or a Saturday. Actually, you know what? I'm gonna fucking Google right now. October 30th. 2001 and see what day of the week it was because i'm curious now it was a tuesday i'm totally wrong jesus um but the album i think we've kind of just decided at this point had come out on october 9th i think is that our sort of decided day for the actual release day yeah that, that makes sense it's either that or october 16th according to all this uh, pretty together paraphernalia that we have anyway hard to pin right. it down exact date but anyway whatever somebody in the band please correct us uh jay i'm looking at you but uh anyway yeah so the day i would have worked that day it would have been new release day because in 2001 tuesdays were new release day uh in music retail which is where i was working uh it was it was hardly music retail to be quite frank folks i was working in the music department at future shop uh which is sort of like a canadian version of best buy that was later purchased by best buy actually uh, and uh, Sloan actually had a song on the Future Shop commercial, so there's a little bit of a tie-in there. But uh, anyway, uh, so this is how I was able to get a copy of the CD pretty together up like a month early, so I knew all the songs. Like I was, I remember this period in my life so well, just like pouring over this album. It's just such a, mm-hmm. it's so, I, it just cemented in my mind. The songs take me right back to traveling on the bus to Toronto in you know middle, you know. At the, towards the end of the summer there and then this kind of coincided right with me buying my first car as well uh, mm. i have no idea what kind of car it was because i'm not a car guy and this was 20 years ago i, I want to say it was like a, a tempo or something i don't know anyway it was okay. black it had a red racing stripe i liked it because it looked like something that zach morris would drive uh, it was very fast and i would put t- it had, had a tape player so i would uh, play tapes in it blah 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 anyway so on the day i would have driven to toronto and i remember parking actually just down 
the street from the Chum City building, which I think in at the time was kind of amazing that my car didn't get jacked and stolen or something. I left it there for hours in some back alleyway, non-parking spot. And Rick uh, yeah, style. I would, Rick Mercer style. And I was there uh, to see the show. So I actually got in line. We'll get into that a little bit later. My little uh, 15 seconds of fame asking the guys a question in this show. Uh, but uh, yeah, so that's what I was doing. How about you, man? I was sitting at home watching the live at much. I mean, that's about all I remember from that day. Yeah, so, awesome, man. Uh, you know, this is the these are the ties that uh, bind us on Sloancast, <laughs> and uh, we're looking forward to digging into this with you guys. So, if you uh, already took part in our first watch along, the format will be familiar for you. You can go to the Sloancast YouTube account, or just Google Sloan Live at Much 2001, uh, and you'll find our video on YouTube. Uh, cue that up. We're gonna do a little countdown here and say three, two, one. Uh, and when we do, everybody pr- presses play on their browser at the same time. Uh, and if you don't want to watch the video and if you're just in your car listening to, to the podcast or wherever, that's fine too. We're going to blend it in at about 20% volume into one of the channels here so you can vaguely follow along and listen to our banter at the same time. <laughs> yeah, so for, once again, if you want to find it on YouTube, uh, you can find our channel, Sloancast, one word, podcast, one word. Uh, and the video we're looking for is Sloan Live at Symbol Much 2001, October 30th, 2001, obviously. Um, and so at the moment, it has 90 views. Let's, let's get it up there. Come on. Um, anyway, so yeah, I've, I've taken it back to the zero mark. Uh, so I'm going to say three, two, one, play, and then we're all going to hit play at the same time. Okay, everybody? So take a second now, get yourself all queued up, and come back and hit play on this podcast again when you're ready to go. Or if you're, like, driving somewhere, don't do that. Just listen to the audio because I don't want you to get in an accident. So here we go. We're going to – are you ready, Are you ready, Ken? I'm just – sorry. I'm getting on my time-traveling boots. Oh, okay. great. Okay. Okay, I'm cool. ready. Well, you want to be Let's comfortable. And I hope you, listener, are ready. You, you took my heat and you paused and got yourself set up. All right. Are you ready, Rick Campanelli? Rick's ready too. Okay, here we go. And three, two, one, play. There we go. This is the old, or the newer, I guess this is the Live at Much intro. I don't know when they changed the name from Intimate Interactive. I much preferred that name. But I guess as they were getting into the new millennium here, it, Intimate Interactive was like a, an, I mean, perhaps a stale title for the show. Yeah, that could be. I'm not sure how long this format lasted for after this, to be completely frank with you. Yeah, I don't know. I remember, I mean, I remember Billy Talent doing one, and their record came out, like, what? Like, uh, I guess a couple years after this. Hmm. I'm trying to remember, like, what some of the latter-day Live at Much performances were, but uh, I want to say it went for another couple years at least. Hmm. So, if you're into this, you can play a drinking game based on the number of times that Rick Campanelli or someone in the crowd references having their socks rocked off. <laughs> oh, yeah. So the guys are starting up. We just had Rick a moment ago welcome us to the show. He mentioned that it was Devil's Night, the night before Halloween. I think it, I think this is actually the next night is when the guys are on Mike Bullard in full animal costume. That is, that is a very <laughs> adept observation, and it's absolutely true. And they play what we're listening to right now that's right which is the lead single from pretty together if it feels good do it so if it feels good do it is you know it's a track that you don't necessarily see on their set lists anymore Mm. but 
at that point in time, for the first leg of the Pretty Together tour, they were opening concerts with this show, uh, with this, uh, with this song. Yeah. I mean, at this point, when you're when when they're like they're ten years into their career here, and they talk about it a bit on the show here, but I mean, they've got a cache of songs and hits. You know, you mm. can open a show now with your new hit single. Like, I mean, I can't imagine them on Navy Blues opening with Money City. Or, you know, like on one court opening with Good and Everyone, you know, like I feel like those shows generally opened with things like, you know, if it was new, it was going to be nothing left to make me want to stay or something like that. But uh, hmm. here they are. Yeah, they're opening with, I mean, what an exciting time to, you know, have this huge hit album. They just made, recently made the switch over to BMG uh, from Universal in terms of uh, distribution. And there was all kinds of fire and uh, activity and excitement behind them. You know, they're back. It's a new millennium. Uh, you know, they'd had a string of hit albums there with uh, One Chord and Navy Blues and Between the Bridges, and they had a live album. They've been very busy, basically, these past couple of years. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah, coming out with this monster album that is just, like you said, Ken, at the beginning, like in their catalog, or I mean, in anybody's catalog. It's just so awesome. You know, uh, every song is a complete home run. And these guys are in fine form in terms of performance. I want to say they also look awesome. <laughs> like this is uh, mm. one of my favorite periods in terms of haircuts. Uh, I really like this uh, right. period for Patrick's hair particularly. And uh, Oh, there's Rob Butcher's TV debut right there. Yeah, if you're following along, you might have just seen me chanting Sloan from the audience. I'm the awkward looking guy. <laughs> so you could be half the audience in this case. hey but uh, yeah, lots of we've we, we, you know, full transparency. We actually did a we tried our hand at recording this one previously, and we noticed there's just a murderer's row of Sloan super fans in the audience for this one. So Absolutely. we'll try to point we'll try yeah. to point them out when we see them. But everybody's yeah. here. There's so many awesome yeah. Sloan fanatics in the audience here, and of, of course, obviously, lots watching at home as well. So. Hmm. Having watched this again for the first time in whatever nineteen years recently, um, I was sort of taken aback at how many faces I recognized. You know, just from having been to a lot of different shows over the years and the community being fairly small. So, uh, have a look if you can recognize anybody, then uh, and give them a shout out, or take a picture of the screen and post it to Instagram or something, so we can have a. That's leak. right. <laughs> So the set design here is uh, is echoing what's happening within the inner artwork of, of the album. I'm not sure that they brought these risers uh, with the vertical banners uh, on them to the actual Pretty Together tour shows. I know they had the video screen on that tour in the background. This is classic much music. I love the shot just a moment ago where the camera, <laughs> they take to the camera that's like trying to get in position and they accidentally shoot the floor director for a second. That's the mm. best. I miss that kind of stuff. Yeah. My favorite part of this song is when they had that little breakdown before you're running away, and I think half the audience just thought the song was over at that point. <laughs> the thing I missed that I was going to say a second ago is this big bombastic ending. Like, if you see the guys, mm. if you've seen them in the past 10 years, they generally don't play it, I guess, as much these days, but... Uh, and, and yeah. that could be just because you know they're playing a festival. They're, they're trying to. They got so many songs, and they got to get get to the next hit or whatever. But 
Uh, yeah. it, it's such a powerful moment live. So whether they're opening with it or closing with it, I mean, this song was obviously like we talked about on the last Pretty Together episode with Travis from uh, the Owens. This one is just built for the live setting. Yeah. This is great here. I think Rick is going to throw, he, Rick is going to have Chris say the number 1-800-265-MUCH. He goes to throw mm-hmm. to Patrick, who's not there. He goes over to Jay. <laughs> And I love uh, Jay's going to give out the fax number, and he's like, they have fax yeah. machines still? And this is 20 years ago. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you're working at uh, Revenue Canada, then you're still using your fax machine, probably. <laughs> I hope so. Oh, and here comes the, uh, here come the home videos. I think. Are we getting the home video bumpers? Yeah. We're about to get them, I think. We need to talk to one of the guys and isolate where these all came from. Yeah, especially but, uh, the uh, this 500 up clip that we're about to see. Yeah. Well, first, first the backstage at Barrymore's in Ottawa. Yeah. Certain somebody out in the audience. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, someone, someone I know well. But this was, I guess, part of the. Uh, Lead up to the live at much they had sort of they followed them around Ontario on the on the first shows of the tour. You may have and caught a glimpse the, of Oh yeah, here's the whole movie. Here's the art school craft work style dancing. That's gotta be Nazgat, right? Are you thinking the same? I'm definitely that that guy in silhouette in the foreground was very art school looking. Yeah, we also in the previous clip we saw at Backstage, backstage at Barrymore's, there's Blue Suit Ron. We saw uh, Super Manager Mike Nelson in, in a quick clip there as well. That's right. But uh, yeah, there you go, buddy. Uh, Blue Suit Ron just a second ago, who was getting everybody going with the Sloan chat. And right to his right was uh, singer songwriter Basha Bulat, who obviously later came to prominence in her own right as a performer. Yeah. Mm. I like to think that I know that in you see interviews of the Beastie Boys and we've made some comparisons to the Beastie Boys in previous episodes uh, they would always I remember some interview I think it was even much music they were talking about the guys and sort of self-styling themselves and I think you know uh, I can't remember if it was Mike D or somebody said you know oh we'll just do something simple like call each other and say are we all wearing green okay so it's not like they're totally matching but they're just sort of on point a little more I do really appreciate each of the guys here has is wearing their own sort of color, you know, Patrick with the popping red mm. shirt and mm. Andrew with the uh, blue, I guess it's a turtleneck. And, yeah, it's sort of that 2001 style of long-sleeved high-neck t-shirt. Yeah. Chris is rocking his Jesus Christ Superstar shirt. Mm. J- Jay's in this is sort of a nice dress shirt. That's right. This was the this is the style era. This is the era when you're looking at these guys and thinking, you know, these guys are pretty styling. Oh, totally. I kind of, honestly, I'm kind of thinking that still to this day. I mean, like, true. That is true. That they, is true. These guys haven't lost a step. I mean, like, just look. If you look at Jay's solo show from a couple months ago, you know, like leather jacket with a big long scarf in the backyard, like, doesn't get much better than that. Yeah. So yeah, no, I've, it's what I wanted to do since I was a kid. So I'm pretty, I feel pretty thankful. Yeah. You wanted to be in the big. So I, I spotted here that there seems to be a Vox amplifier in the background. I'm not sure. This must have been a loan or something, or it's just a prop, and I'm missing Jay's high watt. Um, but you know, having Jay play his Rick through a couple of, a couple of Voxes is a is a new experience. 
There is a Steve's Music location right down the street from this. That's right. Studio, so it's possible maybe they were renting. Who knows? Yeah. Got throwing some love out to the guy in the back there with the Blues Brothers T-shirt on. <laughs> <laughs> if you if if that's you, right on. And speaking of styling, blue suit Ron with the with the blue oh tracksuit jacket and his oh. grandmother's scarf or whatever, and the sort of mod haircut, like the the um the the supergrass haircut, basically. Yeah, the supergrass super haircut. Dude, yeah, I was, was so. I gotta be he honest. He was five years ahead of his time and or thirty years behind it. And if you know Ron to this day, he's still. 30 years ahead of his time uh, I fuck I remember and actually we're talking about him and, and now they're talking about him on the show yeah, he here they're, they're, they're flashing back to April 98 with Chris at the end of the 98 I&I supporting Navy Blues and there's Blue Suit Ron out on the street and Chris even name checks him the guy from my video lines you a man and then they're gonna go back in the studio in a sec here and throw to Ron but there's Chris getting in a van riding down the street taking off <laughs> uh, but so anyway yeah uh what was I going to say about Ron? I was so jealous of Ron. I remember this night because mm. he just looked so awesome. He was so funny. Mm. And uh, I was I was none of those things. But uh, anyway, whatever. <laughs> so here's Chris actually officially introducing Ron. There he is. Hey. This must have been... Did we even ask Ron whether this was premeditated in one way or the other? Like whether this was planned that he would be shown at the moment where they were flashing back and then he'd get well, the mic and... I, I, they must have been because they had that visual up there. I mean, he has a microphone, so they would have known mm. he was going to be the first question. So somebody working there must have been like, oh, I know that guy. Or, you know, perhaps it was even Kevin Stockhausen from our last episode, who at the time we mentioned in the previous episode was uh, actually working at Much Music at the time. So. That's right. Yes. Yes. Good point. She's, she's there. She pops out later, actually, which is interesting. Our previous guest actually makes appearance in this episode. My God. There's Rick holding up the CD, which had the white spine. I remember that being sort of thing at the time. Sort of the off-white spine. It was more of a sure. ivory beige. Sure. <laughs> I think Rick Campanelli actually still looks exactly like this. Like he hasn't even been. <laughs> hair, hairstyle is exactly the same. He just we stayed all be in 2001. So we, all moved, we all moved past 2001 and he just stayed there. He's like a Highlander. <laughs> it's so funny though because you look around these guys like Sloan are kind of we've always talked about them being timeless and even their look and everything is very timeless you know you can point yeah. to any one of them and sort of decipher oh that's that haircut is from that album or whatever but you know Rick and some of the people in the audience he very much looks like the time sort of that like that's late true. 90s early 2000s like Prozac uh, hmm. I don't even know if that's a style but just sort of you know that kind of like sure, the, pop the era hair. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Cereal Joe, I want to say. Cereal Joe. <laughs> the fact that he doesn't have like a like a beaded necklace right now is sort of throwing me off a little bit. That's right. That cereal Joe look was a mistake. Hey. <laughs> here's here's Chris hamming it up. He's having a jolly old time. We were talking about this before we started recording. Like, can you think of somebody who's more comfortable in front of the camera, other than like a comedian or something who, you know, who might show up on a, on a like a, a Letterman interview or something like that was the great thing about mm. being a fan of Sloan is because whenever they were on TV, especially if Chris was on and all the guys are like characters and they're all hilarious, but in their own sort of unique way. But I mean, Chris is just like way over the top and, and I've never seen anybody just completely take over a show. You know, whoever whoever the host is, good luck. You know, like I, there was a great 
clip, uh, I think it's on our channel as well, when they had that, you know, become a VJ search or whatever, and some guy won the contest. His name was Deja, and he was going on tour with them. This would have been like 98, I think. Hmm. And he was trying to interview <laughs> Chris and Jay, and within 30 seconds, Murph's already got the microphone away from mm-hmm. him and it's basically just completely taken over and and he's like interviewing chris is actually interviewing the fans at the edge fest show and deja's just in the background completely lost like you yeah. know he might yeah. as well not even yeah. be there yeah yeah just like the real much music vjs in a few years hey hey man you're just like no but i mean murphy damn. murphy is yeah man he murphy is uh the the thing about when he's on tv is that he's always hovering over the actual experience and taking sort of yes. meta level digs at what's happening during the the recording you know so yes <laughs> chris is like sort of the shakespeare's puck if you will sort of midsummer night's dream that's he's a, sort of like that's a very good reference he's he's in the moment but he's also narrating the moment for himself and for people hmm. wise enough at home to sort of pay attention to that sort of thing but i think you that's mentioned funny. that he's he's basically just talking over rick a lot of the time which is awesome yeah, he's just very prepared and very on, super comfortable. Anyway, we so we saw them play. Oh, another question. Sorry for all these pregnant pauses. For anybody. Oh, this is the question. So this is going to be Dave, who at the time was playing guitar in Matthew Goodband. He's interestingly. His question is how do how do you keep your band together? And Murph's answer is, is it's the same thing that's keeping gear band from staying together, which is kind of hilarious because within, I want to say within the year or two, Dave was out of Matthew Goodband. He was gone. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, but, uh, and also as, and within, I think a year or two, Matthew Goodband were gone as well. So that that's right. Yeah. Tenacity and 10 cities. That's oh, maybe I the think... only time Murph ever referenced Ted Nugent. <laughs> <laughs> I want to have. I need a shirt that says "Tenacity Intensity." <laughs> so good. I think about that line at least like once a month. You know, money or anything like that. So it kind of keeps the band together. This is so great. I mean, it's it's a. We have to think. This is 2001. They've been around for 10 years, and we're already treating them like they're granddaddies. You know, it's. Yeah, well, I mean, at the time, I mean, it wasn't a common thing for a band to be no. consistent and to kind of have this, I guess consistent is the word, but I mean, like, these guys were on TV basically from day one till here. I mean, they had a lot of love at much, and their albums were big, and they were on tour constantly, like, just like, you know, tour, album, tour, album for a decade, you know, not common. There are bands out there that obviously that do that, but especially a Canadian band who are so beloved. And then just all of the qualities of this band. I love this little bit here where they're talking about the breakup from 95 and Andrew literally stands up to go get a water from behind the drums. And Chris is giving the cut sign to Rick. Dude, dude. So good. Just one of those kind of meta things. Yeah, you wouldn't notice if you yeah. didn't attention. Yeah. No, exactly. I didn't notice it at the time in 2001. But, uh, you know, when you get the chance to rewatch it, you can do a slow-mo analysis. <laughs> yeah, this is the the benefit of these guys. They're they're not only like the greatest band ever, best songs, awesome musicians, but they're just killer on TV. I mean, can you imagine? Like, I I don't know if I could. I'm trying to think of some of the I and I's that I used to watch back in the day, like multiple times. Like, there weren't many sure. of them. Headstones. This, 
Yeah, I mean, but I mean, what were they talking about in the interview section? You know, like I'm sure Nothing. it was incredible. No. Yeah. Oh, here's a. Uh, here's Amanda, who uh, Chris quickly quips is Amanda Hug and Kiss, <laughs> and she kind of throws the guy out, guys off by suggesting that Patrick is going to have a child soon. But obviously, she's referring to Andrew. And that's the one thing that I think I remember most from actually watching the live at Much in 2001, apart from Rob Butcher, is is them <laughs> having insinuated that Patrick was going to have a kid when it was Andrew, and then Andrew being very suave about taking that one over. <laughs> and if you don't if you don't notice, Andrew actually did a spit take there when they when they, <laughs> when they mentioned that it was Andrew, he was drinking water and it kind of dribbled out of his mouth. So lots of s- subtle comedy at at play, and we're going to see some later too. Very subtle. Preparing himself for all the spit taste that his baby's going to be doing in the next couple of years. <laughs> Amazing. And Andrew's like, you know, we're all going to be parents someday, hopefully. And they were talking about a minute ago about keeping the band together and how you do that. And the old thing about how they, you know, they share the money and they split everything evenly. And Chris is quipping here, you know, that's 25% my baby. We're having a baby. And I think he even mentions three men, three men and a baby here. It would have been amazing That's to right. have. I mean, I don't know if they would have done a music video this on the nose or whatever, but the Sloan guys have to take care of an infant or something. I don't know. <laughs> the video that never was. Yeah. I mean, in some ways, that's what happened when, when Gregory McDonald came on board as a young hey. man. Okay. Yeah. Right? yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll talk to him about it someday. <laughs> That's 25% my baby. <laughs> Murph is just on fire here. He's just rattling one off after the other. Yeah. It's got to be a place of comfort. I mean, I don't know how the other guys feel about this, but because he pulls so much focus in interviews and stuff, and obviously live too, but I mean, there, there's got to be a, I mean, a sense of... Re- of being maybe a little more relaxed, you know, like you don't have to worry about having to be so on the ball or have, you know, a bunch of comments all lined up or because Chris is going to pretty much carry the narrative of the interview. Mm. I think, I think some members of the band probably take advantage of that for sure. Yeah. You can kind of just put your, uh, get your comments in there, but you know, for the most part that he's going to kind of captain the ship. Yeah. So we're seeing Sheila Cruz from Hamilton here, uh, who asked whether Pretty Together was a turning point for the band in terms of them turning in a more sensitive, emotional direction, I think was, was the words that she used. Um, you know, wait until Sheila hears Commonwealth in 13 years' time. Mm. That's crazy that Commonwealth is 13 years after this. That's insane. Yeah, isn't it? And and it's also funny to me too. I mean, like I know there are a lot of songs. We talked about this with Travis as well. Like, how many of the songs on this album are really sort of maudlin and down? Like, they're real. I mean, like the B side obviously has Life of a Working Girl, Mm. and I Love a Long Goodbye. Are you giving me back my love? I mean, I guess I guess like the four songs in the latter part of the album are all in that sort of mode, I guess. But for the most part, the album's pretty upbeat. Even the single, like, Other Man, is, like, upbeat, you know? And In Your Eyes well, the is non- an upbeat song. Yeah, yeah the non-downbeat songs are, I find, really upbeat. 
Yeah. Never seeing the ground for the sky, for example, which kind of is sits in the middle of that of that second side, uh, is one of the biggest rockers that Andrew has ever written. Totally. I feel like such a dork because I don't remember her name, but this young lady here who's about to ask Chris a question about the album cover. I don't know if you caught her name, but she's on Instagram. Is it Antoinetta? Lovely. Antoinetta. She, she is on Instagram and follows us and has commented on the Sloancast post before. So it was really neat to kind of see her there and be like, hey, there's the girl from Live and Much. Awesome. Well, check it out. I mean, she's asking Sloancast caliber questions back in 2001. Is the sun oh, yeah. rising or is it setting? She was way ahead of her time, for sure. Totally. <clears throat> and had we talked, had we had we opined previously about where that photo on the cover might have been taken? Would have been that would that would that have been maybe like the Halifax Harbor? Like, is there a straight shot like that that is just water? It, it doesn't. So for me, it doesn't look like anywhere in Halifax per se. It might be somewhere uh, on. It might be somewhere on 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 the Nova Scotia coast. I doubt it. I. I particularly think it's just somewhere on a lake in Ontario. Okay, yeah. Because it's, yeah, it's, it's quite the photography doesn't line up. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. And I know the sun Definitely. looks different as it's setting, too, like in different places in the world, too. So with it being so mm. big like that, it almost looks tropical. Like, you know, it's a, it's a, Patrick, it's a Patrick photo from back in the day in his Jamaica days or something. That might be. <laughs> Who knows? Anyway, whatever. It's great. And I love Chris's comment here about whether it's setting or uh rising he's like it's rising of course because we've, we're only like you know 20 percent into our career we'll be around forever Woo! <laughs> yeah so good oh or no so i think he says wild... we'll be, he's, he says we'll be around for 100 years i'm sorry right i want to i want to quote him warmly a, a wild in the movie setting i just wanted to point that out there because that's something you don't oh in the that. in the bumper there they played it yeah great. yeah and they're playing here in the bumper some of the phone pre together commercials. This is actually like a commercial compilation where each guy from the hmm. set of the video are kind of saying what rock and roll means to them. Right. And um, they're all pretty great. Murph here is doing his uh, Eugene Levy doing Ernest Borgnine 2001. Hmm. Uh, done by SCTV. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. Touching the big. Uh, monolith and running away <laughs> hey and it was 2001 too exactly yeah appropriate Murph with the appropriate humor I, I never just, even I knew that it was a 2001 reference there. Yeah. oh my god I would never even noticed that he was doing a 2001 reference in 2001 Jesus uh, the, you gotta the wake levels, up pretty early man. in the morning the levels I, know. I bet he's got a book I bet he's got a black book it's like in the year 2045, I have to remember to reference, you know, whatever. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Very prepared. So, or maybe, that, maybe that's Jay. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure. If, so first of all, um, props to the audio technician at Much Music for getting some really great sound quality and a really great mix, live mix, uh, for this live and much. But I'm noticing... It, the band's got a little bit of nerves on this performance. Like, there are moments here where I think, well, that wasn't very tight. Or moments where I think, ooh, flubbed a note there. I mean, when you're listening to a performance on television and when the audio quality is that good, you're going to pick up some of these little things that happen in any live show, obviously. Um, but it must be a different feeling for the band knowing, you know, you have a lot of people watching you on TV right now. 
yeah. you're not in a comfortable setting in the sense that you're not on a stage. It's not the same routine that you have warming up for the show. You know, uh, sound test is probably different at, in a TV setting than it is at a, at a concert setting. So, you know, it's a, it's a different ambiance. And uh, I wonder if it affected the guys because they were experienced by this point in time. But this is a fresh album. You know, a lot of the songs they hadn't really performed live very much sure. yet. I'll say this too. I mean, I, I can recall being in the room and the music being pretty loud. Like it was as loud as a concert would be. Like hmm. uh, I, I, it obviously doesn't come across that way on TV. It's pretty muted and produced. But <clears throat> in the room, this is pretty loud. Um, so I don't know if they're rocking the in-ears that they had in 98 or if this is just straight monitors, but it could have been... They have monitor blocks there. They have some yeah. some wedges set up. I, I never really mm-hmm. noticed that the performance was lacking in any way, but, you know, I mean, who knows? Yeah. It could have one been just I a know... matter of... Yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, one, one thing I know that's on point are Andrew's backing vocals from the drums, which are mic'd mm-hmm. very well here. And yeah. this was at the point in time, I think, that he stopped doing that maybe around... Oh, probably never hear the end of it when Greg came on. Yeah. Because he was he, still singing backups from the drums on, on the Ash Impact tour that's for true. songs like The Other Man. Yeah. And it sounds, you know, it sounds great. I think, I want to say that he still does it every once in a while. Like there'll be a song where he'll sing from the drums. Sure. But uh, yeah, there was de- definitely a period there between like Navy Blues and here into mm. Action Impact where Andrew was really picking up the you know the carrying the weight rather if you will uh sometimes Mm. being a second vocal and in some cases being a third like keep on thinking live that kind of thing he picks up the uh we've all been in one situation or another is the end of the song right right yeah yeah and what a great i mean like again like this band hard to touch i mean like you know the drummer who as we know is like one of the greatest guitar players ever and mm. uh, you know an incredible performer in his own right, singer songwriter, and, and and he's doing backing vocals. You know, just like mm. to have that kind of power, that kind of, and he's got such a strong voice. You know, for that person yeah. to be singing backing vocals in your band, it's just like, man, these guys are just bulletproof. There it is. And guitar nerds will have noticed that Patrick is playing his uh, Silver Sparkle Gretsch Jet with the Bigsby which is a guitar that he took out, I think, more so on tour uh, at this point in time and for a few years afterwards, but I haven't seen it around for a while. And is is, is Jay playing the Rick pretty much the whole show, yeah. the Rickenbacker? Okay. Yeah, which Chris would have also is... been his go-to instrument live at that point. Well, I, I'm eating my words. He's gone to uh, acoustic here for Lines You Men, obviously, but uh, hmm. and Chris is obviously playing his Mustang the whole time. Uh, and Andrew is playing. I want to say that's the blue. Oh, I don't. I think it's the blue Ludwig that he's playing there. Yeah, it's got the um, blue nose stamp on the on the cover. It's hard, yeah, it's hard to see. So I, I don't know if that. Yeah, I do. Yeah, the bass room looks like it's the blue Ludwig. So yeah, this is the kit that they would be recording with. I want to say the majority of the time, or at least you know the, the guts of the drums. There's Laura Q hmm. in the audience from the uh, pairing of Laura Q and Kira who uh, were super fans and they're, they actually make an appearance in another Much Music show where they're holding a sign that's <laughs> it's a cardboard sign outside of Much Music that says Chris Murphy the sexiest man alive 
and he's uh, Chris Murphy is also doing some pretty impressive improvised bass fills in the lines you amend here, oh, spicing cool. spicing things up. So they're obviously throughout the show kind of dipping into the back catalog hits. In terms of this live performance, they really only play Feels Good and Other Man, as far as I know, like from the new album, and then the rest of the set is, you yeah. know, other hits. That's right. I'm going to give you know, a little shout out to, to Chris's voice. Um, he nails his quick, kind of the fast, subtle, Gordon Lightfoot-esque vibrato in a live setting. Mm. Um, which is a quality of his, of his voice that I've always admired. Mm. Yeah. I was going to say, the only thing, I mean, if I, I love this whole performance, you know, I, I probably didn't watch this show for a long time after it just because I was embarrassed by my own question or whatever and being embarrassed about being on TV. But um, the performance is fantastic for the most part. And the only thing, if I were to kind of give it any kind of criticism, and I understand why they didn't just because it's 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 difficult from a technical standpoint to switch everything around. Andrew obviously mm-hmm. doesn't come out and play a song, but, uh, you know sacrifices are made or you know i mean i don't know maybe he was sick or something but uh yeah it's neat to see patrick playing the uh, glitter gretch you're right i I can't remember the last time i've seen that they took it out on tour um before i left canada so it might have been on the on the um parallel play tour that i saw that i'm not sure okay um i think i saw it in a guitar rack either in their practice space or somewhere else fairly recently. I might be be making this up too. Um, <laughs> but he was a Gretsch guy at that point in time when he wasn't using Chris's uh, SG um, Les Paul Jr. Then he was using his Rock Jet or that Sparkle Gretsch or the Floral Telly. So here we're looking at some home movies of Halloween. I don't know where this is, but uh, Chris is dressed up as Nardwar and he's interviewing people. Spot on Nardwar impression. He's interviewing Absolutely. people with a candle, candle for a microphone. I think we see Ian McGettigan from Thrush Hermit here. So this could be the place that Catherine was actually mentioning previously where they all live together. Maybe, yeah. this, that, maybe this is that house. There's Ian in the background. I think we mm. might even see Rob Benvy at one point. Yep. And here's the art school dance. Mm-hmm. And of course, that, that footage of Chris as Nardware is a great segue for the surprise caller guest of the same name. Hmm. <clears throat> and when Nardware, when they go to him on the phone here, <laughs> he's so excited, he's screaming, and just basically the audio just fuzzes out. He's just like, Woof! you know. <laughs> <laughs> Great impersonation. You, you got him to. And the, got uh, the, yeah, they got the image here of Nardwar interviewing Chris when they were mixing Pretty Together. That would have been earlier right. in the year in uh, BC. You were on Switchback when you were 10 years old. I know they did an Evaporator show at the Drake here in Toronto, I want to say a couple years ago, and Chris was the drummer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's awesome to see. Chris and Nardwar together whenever they're chatting whenever there's video of it they're both hilarious together uh, I'm just a big fan it's... of that friendship there's a there's a story I don't mean to cut you off there's a story going back quite a ways where Nardwar was with them I want to say this was in, in BC and some person out in public stole Nardwar's hat 
Mm. And it's the it's the famous story where Chris like chased the guy down. I don't know if he like turned him upside down, but uh, he got the hat back. So uh, you know, just a word to the wise out there: don't fuck with Murph, man. Like we kind of see Andrew as sort of like the obvious sort of physical guy who could probably handle himself or whatever. But uh, yeah, I, I think the, the other Sloan guys would probably surprise you. Don't steal anybody's hat around them because you're gonna get fucked up. So that's Nardware on the phone there. He's freaking out. It's funny. He's he's gone through so many changes over the years. He is his clothes are exactly the same, but just mm. from an appearance standpoint, Nardware is uh, considerably more svelte these days. I'm the opposite. Sure. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's so cool to see him here, and it's so neat too because I mean. There's a great example of a guy who just kind of kept plugging away and he kind of hit into a rhythm there a couple of years ago oh, where yeah. his interviews are now just like, you know, world famous online. Like well, they, everything, thank, everything he does goes viral. We can thank Snoop Dogg for that. Yeah. <laughs> he he understood what was going on in the Nardwar interview and milked it. And he, I think Snoop Dogg's been back like nine times or something. Oh, it's the best. Yeah, I love the Nardwar interviews. Imagine having to find obscure records for nine Snoop Dogg interviews, you know? Yeah, that's... I mean, only he could pull that off. Yeah. And I want to say, is it the rapper Future who he interviews, who who gets... who says, uh... when uh, Nardwar's asking about something, he says, it's sensational! Anyway, whatever. <laughs> that's, awesome I love thing. that. I love that interview clip. Sensational. Anyway, back to Sloan. <laughs> I'll say quickly, we're coming up on my cameo, and, uh... Real quick story. I'm outside the Chum City building, lined up, ready for the show, and they're going up and down the line, and they're basically saying, like, hey, if you have a question, mm. you can essentially stand at the front. And I was like, I've got a qu- I didn't have a question, but I was like, I put my hand up right away, like, oh, yeah, I got a question. And as the chick is walking over to me, you know, it takes five seconds to walk over, I'm just thinking of something. And the only thing I could think of was, of course, I'm working music retail. I know they went from Universal to BMG, mm. because the BMG rep had been kind of bigging it up, and that, and the Strokes album, Is This It, came out right around the same time. And uh, so I was just, my question was based in that. They'd done an interview a couple years earlier around the Okta day where they were on a show called Off the Hook. And they and Chris made some comment to an audience member about cheese on the road. And uh, the other guys kind of laugh in the interview. And I figured, oh, maybe there was like, by the way, yeah, Catherine just handed Jay a copy of Have Not say, Been the Same, brief by the way. Catherine Stockhausen cameo. Yeah. And there's a picture of uh, Chris in his little Orton Hoggett outfit. Dancing with Nico Case in the book. <laughs> uh, anyway, whatever. So Chris made a comment about cheese on this off the hook show on TVO. And I thought there was maybe an interesting story there. I wanted to be the volley to his humorous spike. So I asked my question, which is, you know, between BMG and Universal, who's got a better rider? You know, maybe you have a story there about some cheese on tour. And all the guys just give me the blankest stare ever. I'm Let's wearing my take in this moment. Yeah, I'm wearing my blue nose Sloan shirt. Which uh, I probably would have gotten. I mean, they would have probably, I want to say, played Cool House in Toronto within the week or two prior to this, mm. which is when I would have bought that shirt. Anyway, I did they, have the exact same. It was sort of the baby blue shirt. Yeah. There was there was a ringer version, I think, uh, like one with the with the darker rings around the neck and the and the arms. Yeah. Uh, and oh, there's the cheese. Yeah, I'm asking oh, about and cheese. Here's the awkward silence. Yeah. And Andrew turns, Andrew turns to me and says, you know, like, 
Universal and BMG, they have nothing to do with Ryder. We pay for our own Ryder. They're just mm. a means of putting out records. They distribute them, whatever. And when he turns back, he says, and cheese has something to do with it, which I only heard that line in more recent years. And it's so funny because, you know, I don't know, he's making a joke there. Mm-hmm. I didn't catch that at the time, and I was just devastated. I was just so embarrassed for having asked such a stupid question. It but, reminds uh, anyway. me of the uh, <laughs> Simpsons episode where uh, the Valentine's Day episode where, uh, you know, Martin gets rejected by everybody. And then, was it Martin? No, who? Ralph. Ralph Wiggum gets rejected by everybody. And then you can they pinpoint the moment in which his heart breaks <laughs> in slow motion. Going to commercial again here. Hmm. Oh, sorry. Is this Speaker's Corner? Rather, sorry. Hi, my name's Patrick. I'm from Halifax. Do you recognize where they are there in Halifax? Uh, it looks like the Grand Parade. I'm not sure. Grand Parade being the old part, the square in front of the old city hall, but I couldn't tell. And what are they asking Andrew here? I, I can't. I'm not what he misses about Halifax. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Or the Nova Scotia. Right. Andrew's being very coy in his response. <laughs> and I feel like they would have. I don't know. It's so funny. Like, I mean, just to be these guys and kind of hear the same questions over and over again. You know, like, how do you stay together for so long? What do you miss about Halifax? Mm. Mm. I uh, hope that that's sort of led up in more recent years, but perhaps not. Real estate prices. Real estate prices in 2001, right? Yeah. <laughs> Wait till you get to 2021. But yeah, I mean, the guys have. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, they've they've stuck it in there, man, for the long haul. Like these dudes around this period or within the year or so previous to this would have mm. all moved and they're all permanently in Toronto at this point. That's right. And they would have maintained their space until now. Like I know they're recording the 13th album with Ryan, I want to say at mm. his recording studio. Mm. So the 13 actually, I mean, I'm calling it a 13, but the 13th album might actually be the first one since when it wasn't recorded in their space. Like, between uh, the bridges, maybe. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, although, uh, were, weren't parts of Pretty Together recorded at the Sony, at, at the Sony Studios? That sounds right. But I do want to preface this by saying too. I mean, I, I do believe portions of the new album were recorded at their space as well. Like, I know they track drums there, uh, sure. from from the pictures on Instagram and stuff. But uh, well, an action packed was also done elsewhere. Uh, you're right. Yeah, that was in LA. Yeah. With Tom Rothrock. That's right. Another episode coming up someday. (laughs) If you know Tom Rothrock, put us in touch. We've been in touch. Uh, Oh, I'm giving our secrets away too much. I'll edit that out. (laughs) No, it's okay. You can keep that in. That's fine. We've been in touch with Tom Rothrock. Yeah, he's he's he said he'd check us out. So, Tom, if you're listening, uh, join us. Tom, if you're listening, I applaud you making it 40 minutes into a 2001 watch along. Uh, and <laughs> and uh, what are you what are you doing not being a guest on our show? Come on. 
So they're going there. So Rick is outside throwing back into the guys who are about to play another song. What's it going to be? Oh, of course. It's Money City. What else? <laughs> and is this the last song of the show? There's no this way. This is the last. This is the last song. It was a four-song oh set. Holy shit! Wait a second. It's the... only four songs. Yeah, it's four songs and a lot of jibba jabba. So they did "Feels Good," "Other Man," "Lines You Men," and "Money City," and that was the whole show. That's right. Yeah. Wow. Because I want to say, well, I mean, we're watching a copy here that has all the commercials and shit cut out, and this is. 48 minutes when it was live i mean this would have been like an hour and a half on tv with commercials what did it say mm. on ron's chest there just a second ago did it say rock, rock? yeah, yeah. <laughs> chris goes over chris is i love this intro he's walking inspecting around the crowd. he's in yeah he's inspecting the audience you know uh <laughs> and ron just lifts up his shirt and it says rock across his chest love it that's a bit of an awkward money city maniacs intro to be honest i'm not sure if that was planned because they were doing the extended sort of bass lick uh, yeah. while Chris was walking around. And I'm not sure that the rest of the band really knew when they were supposed to go. So they just faded out. And then Andrew did the little drum intro fill. Yeah. They've definitely ch morphed how this song is played live, obviously, over the years. Totally. That's a lot more compact and efficient nowadays. They don't want to be playing Muddy City Maniacs for 30 minutes or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I think even even Andrew performing the song live in the choruses plays it much straighter, which I think especially mm. is is probably easier when you're playing to like some big in some big festival. And I mean that chorus on record is very busy and mm. it might be a little easier to dance to and groove to you know, in a, you know when you're playing a huge stage where uh nuance is not favored. Easier just to play it a little straighter, but uh, anyway. Well, I don't think we'd be surprising anybody by saying as well that this is not necessarily Andrew's favorite moment in a live show. You know, he's he's more about the. <laughs> I think I think Andrew's more about the deep cuts than he is about the the A sides. Sure. And, and and fair play. I mean, you know, he's and and that might be the case with all of them. I'm sure that all of them have songs that they're sort of like uh, groan about playing, but. Mm. You know, thankful to have those songs and an audience that enjoys them, obviously. Yeah. Man, it's so great. I mean, this audience is clearly just like here for it, like Absolutely. clapping along, moving. I mean, there are definitely some ionized. I was trying, I, I was watching one the other day and just, I can't remember which band it was. It was pretty stale. Everybody's kind of just sitting there. I think it was the early piece one. I was just watching mm. it because I, uh, I was listening to the Raven Drill podcast and the dude had, uh, Tyler had Jeremy Taggart on. It was actually a pretty good interview. The guy's an interesting dude. Hmm. Didn't know much about him, whatever, or about the band, but I went, it made me kind of go back and check in on that I and I, and it was pretty chill, Bill. Yeah. Well, they were a more serious act, right? Yeah. Even well, just the subject yeah. matter of their songs and stuff was pretty serious. Sure. And Chris is just getting the Sloan chant going. Yeah. And he's going to do the... his he's going to do his little James Brown thing here. I think this yeah. is a James Brown thing where he just like he can't go on. And then the the person comes out and puts the in this case they're putting on the, the Nova Scotia flag on him. And he's going to just come to life here in a second. He he can't stop the rock. 
I think I shared on the show a couple years ago, I saw these guys at uh, Nathan Phillips Square in Toronto for, I think it was New Year's or something like that. Hmm. And he did this again. So I'm sure this is something that he kind of pulls out of the bag every once in a while. And Kevin Hilliard, uh, who was a Sloan cast guest, was the one to uh, cover him in a jacket. And Chris hmm. popped back up seconds later. Get that thing the fuck off me. You know. And the crowd went wild. We've also noted here, too, that the guys are pro at counting back into, hey, you, after an extended mm. break here. <laughs> That's right. I think it's that uh, Byward Market Canada Day 98 footage where they're still, still kind of figuring that part of the show out. That's right. So you can get a good shot of that Vox AC30 mm. there that Jay's put. Oh, there's his high watt. Okay, so it appears to indeed be a prop or a backup. It's probably a backup. Hmm. All right, so I just answered my own question. <laughs> Speaking of backups, there's a there's a great show. I want to say it's from '98 or so because I think it's on the Murder Record or sorry, Murder Records, Navy Blues era, where they're playing like a big shiny bash. It's on our channel as well. And Andrew's fucking foot pedal breaks in the middle of the hmm. performance. Hmm. So, and I think they had to borrow a pedal from Ian from Matthew Goodman. Right. But uh, yeah, important to have those backups. Well, that's okay, because Matthew Goodben wouldn't be needing it for lo much longer anyways, right? So. Yeah, I think he just ended up giving him the pedal. Here, you can have this. <laughs> you know, our, our band is over. See ya. Matt Goodben is officially over. Yeah. So that's <clears throat> it. I mean, we're going to get an awkward <laughs> Queen Street Sloan chant from Mark Campanelli in a couple of seconds, but otherwise, <laughs> that was the that was the I and I, or the, the, much, the live and much. Murph hands his bass to the kid in the front row. Love it. And I'm sure as soon as the camera has cut away, ah, he gets it back. There we go. Awesome. And we're just trying to avoid every, avoid the cameras in the background there. Okay, here, here, here it comes. <laughs> the crowd keeps it going though. They're down. For yeah. Them. I will say, man, again, like obviously we, we know this band, we love these guys. And even though I've seen them a million times, I remember on this night being there and just being like, fuck, these guys are great. You know, like, mm. oh. I'm noticing their music mix, Brendan McGuire is mentioned. Yeah. So, so there he is, the man himself behind the knobs, helping out with the audio for this show. So, I mean, there is a tip of the hat to him in terms of the audio quality you were mentioning earlier. Yeah. And there's the, there's the Arsenio style Sloan chant on the street. <laughs> Oh, he started. Oh, right, I forgot about that. Rick didn't. He forgot for a second, and he's going slow, slow, slow. <laughs> that one uh, didn't didn't pick up any steam, unfortunately. Just imagine being the one guy at the Sloan concert chanting <laughs> that. You know. Yeah, you can see there the person's got the giant pretty together sign, and I don't know if I've mentioned this on the show previously, but. Those were those big BMG mm. cardboard signs that they used to staple around like traffic poles and stuff like that. And mm. uh, <clears throat> and I recall uh, going to see, I think it was actually the show that I was talking about a moment ago about uh, Sloan at the Cool House, which would have been probably a week or two prior to this performance. And um, they had those everywhere. They were, mm. and I think the reverse had like the strokes, is this it on it or something? Okay. Uh, like multi-purpose signage. And, I grabbed like 10 of them <laughs> off right. the poles down to the, every, actually everybody was, who was showing up early to the show. And I remember right. taking it back across the street, putting it in my trunk. And then, you know, yeah, it was right. on my wall forever. And, you know, I've moved a couple times and I've lost those, but uh, anyway. Yeah. 
Well, that so was that's a, the show. That's the show. It's over, obviously. Yeah, it was. Uh, I love watching that. I've watched it since since you uploaded it. Uh, I think I've watched it maybe uh, half dozen times. Yeah. Um, and every time I, I catch something new and there's a new little subtle quip uh, from Murph <laughs> or there's something that I missed in the interview or, you know, it's uh, the, the sound quality is great. I really do miss much music and music television in general for that caliber of, you know, of, of, of TV format. And I, and I just I think in terms of I mean not only the music videos that they played on much music but in terms of the guests I have to imagine that there was a Canadian content rule there as well, like mm-hmm. obviously having a band like Sloan at the time, you know, pretty together was a massive album when it came out so they were gonna you know and and Sloan were familiar with the much music people so obviously it was likely that they would have a a performance or something but uh, <clears throat> you know to see Canadian bands and stuff featured in such a way on it on national television and given 90 minutes in prime time to kind of just play their show you know so cool yeah. i don't know if it's been mentioned previously but around this period like late 2001 is when I, I was i wasn't living in toronto but i was coming visiting quite often and i remember being out one night and i found a, a like a poster on a light pole and it said cm for pm with a picture of Chris from much East and he's got his mustache. This is from like 97 when they were recreating a Led Zeppelin photo. And it says Chris Murphy for prime minister. Uh, and that's all the information that's on there. And I, and it, it was just so funny. And for the longest time, I had no idea who made it, who put them up. They were everywhere in downtown Toronto mm. for mm. a period of time there. And I grabbed one. I still have it. I don't know if I've posted it to the Instagram channel yet, but I'll, I'll or to the account, yeah, but I'll get it up to. there. I'll get yeah. it up there because the young lady who I found out later created it and posted it follows us. And I actually interacted with her some months ago. Uh, and she actually hadn't seen it in a long time either. So mm-hmm. I'll give credit where it's due. I just thought that was really cool. But it's a period thing. This is from that period, the the pretty together period. So uh, when this episode comes out, I'll have it up for everybody to see. It's a fun little artifact. And maybe if uh, when we all get back to going to shows and whatnot, uh, you know, when we're all together, when we can, you know, get all the Sloan cast uh, alum at a show, I'll I'll have a bunch of these printed up and just I'll I'll put it on the the merch table or something for everybody to take a copy if they want one. But uh, <laughs> in my dreams, the unofficial the unofficial Sloan Music merchandise. Yeah, get your CM for PM poster for free. Yep, I actually had a T-shirt that says CM for PM made up about ten years ago as well. This is this Fantastic. would have been around the period of the double cross. Uh, okay. So I might post that photo as well. Me wearing my CM for PM shirt. Absolutely. Things are winding up for Sloan and things are going to start winding up again for Sloancast after our brief summer hiatus. Um, mm. So we do have a lot of content on board for the rest of this year, for the rest of this anniversary year, this 30th anniversary. Good guests lined up and I'm eager to get going with all this. Yes, very excited. Thank you again, listener, for checking us out and for downloading and wherever you do that. We appreciate it so much and all the comments and things on our channel. Uh, We'll try to post there more often as well. Uh, But anyway, just to kind of wrap things up here, obviously you want to follow Murder Records HQ on Instagram, the Murder Records podcast. Uh, Obviously, we've mentioned it before, but tons duly noted is out. Uh, Patrick's uh, Fuzzed Out project is uh, available across streaming platforms. Uh, the Trans Canada Highwomen are actually back up at it again, mm. performing. That's Chris uh, with uh, Moberg and Stephen Page and uh, <clears throat> the guy from Odds. Uh, 
<laughs> Sorry. And um, yeah, so check those guys out. Uh, they, I know they've got an Instagram account and they're playing shows. I think they're actually going to play before Sloan get back in the swing of things too, which is interesting. Uh, but uh, yeah, you want to also make sure you support Patrick on Patreon. Uh, he's doing shout outs for special occasions. Instagram, obviously, jferguson.iii or jferguson the third. Andrew is on Instagram at Andrew WG Scott. He is always selling his paintings and artwork there. So go check him out. Reach out to him. Uh, see if you can uh, purchase one of his many pieces. Uh, and, and obviously, SloanMusic.com is where to check out the guys in general. I know uh, they have Bandcamp Fridays where they've been selling, hmm. uh, where, the, where the proceeds go in, entirely to the band. So uh, save up your bucks. If you don't have any of their records digitally, especially those bootlegs yeah. uh, that are amazing, the Winnipeg one, yeah. the Japanese one, yeah. Australia 99, if you don't have those digitally, wait to Bandcamp Friday and go pick it up from SloanMusic.com because those are just like, you got to have those. They're so great. I remember listening to the Japanese one again recently uh, from 2000. I want to say 2002. This would have been right on the same tour after they they had done this uh, live and much. Mm. And it's just such an amazing show. Just a Mm. unique set list uh, from uh, Shibuya. So anyway, do all of that stuff. And we will check you out next time on Sloancast. Thanks so much for listening and keep Sloan. Bye-bye.